0: Um, So this morning, as we uh, prepare to land this thing next Sunday, we're looking at prayer that intervenes and reverses. We've been spending these last number of weeks, as we draw to this conclusion, looking at living the life of prayer. Not just having a prayer life, but living the life of prayer. Our very lives being prayers unto the Lord. And prayer that intervenes and reverses is our assignment this morning. Would you say that with me? Prayer that intervenes and reverses. Say it again. Prayer that intervenes and reverses. Ephesians 6 and verse 18, which was a text that we began to look at last week together. We look at it again this morning. And then Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. Look at this together, Paul's words to the church in Ephesus. Pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Last Sunday we looked at persevering prayer. Making supplication for all the saints. And then if you'll Keep your finger in that text, but turn now to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. The Hebrews writer tells us that Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. He will never have a successor. He is our perpetual priest. He is the new priestly order. No one will succeed him. He is the ultimate, the great high priest. He continues forever. Consequently, verse 25, he is able to save to the uttermost. In other words, save completely and at all times in every generation those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make Intercession for them. Prayer that intervenes and reverses. Because Jesus lives forever. His priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf as Jesus disciples and I trust that that's your desire to be more than just someone who is a Christian in name only a nominal Christian but you are giving yourselves we are giving ourselves to be followers of Christ to be his disciples people of the Spirit, as we've been looking at. And as that, our call to prayer is the call to live a life of expanding dimensions. Now, you may know a life of expanding dimensions in your diet. I don't know. We're trying not to be so expanding, aren't we? But when it comes to prayer, we are to be... Moving towards expansion, living a life of expanded dimensions from worship to petition, from thanksgiving to warfare, all of these dimensions growing in prayer. And Ephesians 6, verse 18, as we began to look at last week, points the way to pray at all times. Say that with me. Pray at all times. In in, in other words, live a life of prayer. In the Spirit, Paul says. In other words, with supernatural assistance from Him. With all prayer. That is by every means of prayer. And supplication. I think this is on the screen for us, yes. And supplication literally, with alertness, persevering for the promises as they are contained in the biblical texts for us. Beloved, let me invite you this morning, no, let me urge you even toward what's at hand here for us. We need to look at three grand words of prayer that we see in these texts that we have open in front of us today. And those words are supplication, intercession, and thanksgiving. Can I bother you to say those words with me? Supplication, intercession, and thanksgiving. Say them again. Supplication, intercession, and thanksgiving. There's reason that Paul uses these words. Why doesn't he just say prayer? That's what he means. Why doesn't he just say prayer? Well, it is prayer, but there are different means and forms of prayer that he is giving us here. And it's important that we understand what each of these are. But especially we need to see them in their relationship to that order of prayer that I'm calling the prayer that intervenes and reverses as we said together a moment ago, prayer that intervenes and reverses. We're going to spend these last couple of Sundays of November there. Prayer that intervenes and reverses. I was watching yesterday afternoon a little bit of college football, and it's always wonderful when you see the team, the 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 these opposing teams, and the one team intercepts, intervenes, and reverses the whole direction of the game. A number of weeks ago, I was together with Philip and Paquita Ho, and we were watching Gabriel uh, in a tournament of field hockey against Ireland in North Van- in West Vancouver, and the 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 times where the that the team would, the, the Team Canada would intervene and change the direction, the flow of the game. It wasn't happening as often as we wanted to see, but when it did happen, we were cheering. Prayer that intervenes. What about prayer that does that? What about prayer that changes the course and the direction of things? That intervenes and reverses this is where we're going to spend these last couple of Sundays. And so we're given these three terms, these words that may seem strange to us, but yet if we unpack them and understand them, are so crucial to living the life of prayer. Supplication. We're going to spend some time looking at that. Supplication. In writing to the Philippians, the church in, in, in Philippi, the Apostle Paul registered one of the broadest, most inclusive, and most practical calls to prayer in the Bible. And he did so through these words of the text at hand that we have open, but also in Philippians chapter 4, Verses 6 and 7, and we all know this, well, most of us anyway, and some of us even for memory. It's on the screen, I believe. Read it together with me. Will you lift your voices? Do not be anxious about anything. Now, just pause for a minute there because it's important that we, we grasp every phrase of this. Don't be anxious about anything. A friend of mine used to sarcastically say to me, why pray when you can worry? Don't be anxious. Don't worry, Paul says, the Lord says through Paul's writing, about anything. But, look it, in everything, by prayer, read it with me, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God And the peace of God, watch this, and the peace of God, read it, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a beautiful, beautiful passage. The city of Philippi was a Roman colony, that region of Philippi, it was a Roman colony. It was an outpost of Rome's authority, and therefore, it was secured with a special contingent of imperial troops. Paul's choice of words here, his terminology, noting the promise of prayer, takes on special meaning in light of this. Because he says, the peace of God, don't be anxious about anything, don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He he says, the peace of God will then guard your hearts and your minds. The incomprehensible peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. And and the New Testament word there in the the Greek that Paul uses for guard, it's a word picture describing the garrisoning of Roman troops to secure a colony. In other words, what Paul is saying is if you will take a specific posture in prayer God will establish a stronghold he's saying if, if you give yourself to not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication bringing your request to God he says God in response will establish in your heart and mind a stronghold of transcending peace to fortify and to stand guard over your mind, over your heart, bracing you against the adversary so that you will never be cast into a tumult of confusion. Whatever your trial or need. Picture with me a garrison of soldiers standing around your heart, standing around your mind. This is the word picture Paul's giving giving us. The peace of God, that's what the peace of God does. The peace of God is not something passive. The peace of God is not something syrupy and sloppy, ooey-gooey. The peace of God is militant here. The peace of God surrounds like a garrison of soldiers our hearts and minds. When we give ourselves to be anxious for Nothing, don't be anxious about anything, don't worry. But in everything, in your request, your prayer, and in supplication with thanksgiving, bringing your requests. Are you seeing this picture? How many need the peace of God in that way, in your hearts and minds? I do, to stand guard over my heart and my mind over my mind that races with all kinds of crazy thoughts, over my heart that is unrestful. Paul says this is what the incredible transcendent peace of God will do. This text points the way for our entry into this place of secured confidence following prayer As the peace of God stands guard over our mind. But it involves more than simple petition or ordinary asking. Paul calls us to supplication. This word, supplication. What is that? Say it with me, will you? Supplication. He calls us to supplication. It's an interesting word in the Greek language. Deomai. And it essentially has to do with asking, but it extends the idea even further than that. And is it okay if we do a bit of a word study here for a moment this morning without getting too technical with everyone? But this is important if we can, if we can get this into our cookers here today. It's important for us in unlocking this truth and this passage Strong's concordance has linked in alphabetical sequence the words deomai, supplication, deo, and day. De. And seeing these words in their natural lexical order, the lexicon, the Greek dictionary, seeing them in their lexical order helps us to see them also. In their logical order. First, let's look at their definitions. Deomai, to supplicate or to make supplication. I think this is on the screen. To supplicate or to make supplication. To beg, to pray earnestly. Interesting. That's what the Greek dictionary gives us on that word. Deo, to bind something up or to tie something up day a greek participle particle rather ought used to express the moral imperative the moral imperative refers to that which is in the order of things ought to be for example if there's a need we ought to help If there's a fire, we ought to do something. Help, warn someone, get water, or even extinguish the fire. Ought means in the order of things, to do what is necessary, appropriate, and right. So when we learn the linguistic relationship of these words, we can grasp the concept of supplication together. This word that Paul uses... That is the pivotal differences between simply asking and supplicating. To simply ask is to make our request known. But supplication has to do with those times when a focused point of passion in prayer is needed. A focused point of passion in prayer. I must admit that I'm puzzled a little bit by these words. I'm puzzled by deomai, being translated to beg, where prayer is involved. Since Jesus does not ever teach prayer as begging. Some people believe that, that prayer is begging God. And so they don't pray because they don't believe. They're to beg God. Well, Jesus never teaches us that prayer is begging God. So I'm I, I'm mystified a little bit by this dictionary definition. It doesn't reflect the nature of our relationship with God. However, when we look at these cognate words, in other words, the family of these words that are related to one another, deo to bind the dynamic between prayer and spiritual authority begins to come more clearly into view for us. For example, consider with me Jesus' teaching regarding the authority that you and I, His church, are given over the dark powers of hell. He says in Matthew 16, verse 19, I will give you the keys... Of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind or forbid on earth shall be bound or forbidden in heaven, and whatever you loose or permit on earth shall be loosed or permitted in heaven. So it appears that Deomai, as a prayer exercise called supplication, implies more than earnest begging. The evidence is that we are to see supplication as involving Christ-authorized action of binding up things, forbidding things, certain things, and loosing certain things, permitting certain things. Understandably, then, we ask, well, then, what things do I have? the right to forbid and permit in prayer. If I'm given this authority that Jesus says I'm given, if we as the church are given this authority that Jesus says we're given, what, what things do we have the right then to forbid and permit in prayer? And the answer, I believe, is in our seeing the family relationship of these words, the, the cognate relationship as it's called, which means the family, how these words are related to one another. D-A-D-O-M-I. It would seem we are assigned as God's people, as people of the Spirit, as the church to bind up or forbid things that are not what they ought to be. And see them through in prayer, loosing or permitting the kingdom to come into those situations and circumstances until they are what they ought to be. So in light of all of this, this study of these words that we've taken a few moments to do, supplication then is more than just simply asking, it is prayer that can return things to their intended kingdom order. It's prayer that intervenes. It's prayer that reverses. It's prayer that returns things to what is proper or ought to be. Look at our world. Created under a divine order that has now long since been violated. We understand that so much of our world is as it is because the order God intended has fallen into confusion and chaos and disarray due to the fall of humankind in our parents, Adam and Eve. Human sinning and satanic activity takes place. Now, seeing things out of order, God has ordained a mission possible for we who have come under his order in Christ. He has ordained for us a mission possible. We not only have the privilege of fellowship in prayer, but also we have an invitation to partnership in prayer with King Jesus, our eternal high priest. Now we're stepping into the Hebrews portion of our text at hand. We have an invitation To learn a dimension of binding and loosing, forbidding and permitting by prayer unto the reconstitution of God's original order and intent for people's lives and circumstances for all of creation, in fact. As followers of Jesus, beloved, the Spirit has been given to us for this very purpose. We have been given authority from above. Jesus has delegated kingdom authority to us. I have given you the keys of the kingdom, he says in Matthew 16, as we read a moment ago so it is that our supplication moves. Here's what happens when we pray in supplication with thanksgiving, as Paul calls us to in Philippians. When we do so, we move into the confusion of the fallen order of things, broken hearts, broken homes, broken health, And we begin through supplication to bind up broken things, drawing the strands off such binding back to what ought to be according to God's liberating intent and God's life-giving will. Thus, the praying church has been empowered by Christ's promise to pray in ways that stop what hell's counsels are trying to advance. As His people, we move into the brokenness of our world with the authority of Jesus delegated to us and the fullness of the Spirit given to us. We move into broken hearts and broken homes and and the brokenness of our world, and we do so in a way that begins to bind up that brokenness in prayer, supplication. This is what is meant by prayers that bind and prayers that loose, as Jesus uses these terms in Matthew 16. Binding and loosing is not limited to how we may conceive of something being tied up or untied, it's also related to the concept as the terms are used when a contract is made. For example, if you've read any kind of contract at all throughout your life, which I'm sure you have, you've come across these terms. Uh, When a property is being developed, An architect will regularly visit the site. And the architect will meet with the contractor to assure the details of the contract are fulfilled. Holding the contractor to the contract is legally possible because the terms of the contract are what? They are binding. but possible only as the architect or his representative insists on the binding. If the architect doesn't show up and enforce these things that are binding, it won't happen. But as the architect or his representative insists on the binding clauses of the contract, ensuring that contested or neglected features of the project will be finished as they ought to be and as the owner wills. Are you starting to get the picture here? We are representatives of Christ. We are Christ's arms and legs and hands and feet. We are his representatives who are on site in this earth to ensure that the terms and the conditions which have been set forth and established in the work of Christ as our great high priest are carried out in the lives of those in this world. Are you seeing this? But it only happens if we step into our responsibility as partners with Christ. He has delegated this to us. Are you seeing the analogy here? It's quite obvious. In this world, Satan is trying to construct things that are totally out of line from God's blueprint. You and I are on-site observers of what is taking place in human lives and earthly circumstances that we are made aware of when what ought to be isn't. Our role then in supplication is to say, and in fact I want you to say it with me. It's on the screen for us. This is what supplication looks like. This is what our supplication prayer looks like. We see things happening around us and in the lives of those around us, in the brokenness of this world, and in prayer supplication as people of the Spirit, as the people of God, We say this in prayer. Read it together with me, will you? Lord Jesus, what you contracted for in establishing your new covenant at the cross and in your resurrection and ascension for your purpose and power to save, heal, or deliver in this matter or person or situation, it isn't being done on earth. Let your ruling powers, your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. As your agent assigned to this case in prayer, I say stop the adversary's advance. According to Calvary's terms, I bind the enemy from success. And according to your will, through the power of Jesus' blood, I loose on earth what you have already willed in heaven. This is supplication. This is what it looks like, what it sounds like in our lives. Are you seeing this? It's more than just simply asking. It's enforcing the terms and conditions of Calvary's cross and Christ's breakthrough resurrection and his exaltation and ascension to the Father's right hand. And all that that is established for us in the new covenant that has been cut the contract, if you will, that has been established. And anything that we would see in violation to that happening around us, in the world, in the nations, in our cities, in people's lives, those we love, our families, supplication brings these things binding And loosing the kingdom. It's important here that we understand that the grammar of the New Testament Greek phrase translated in essence, whatever you bind will be bound, whatever you loose will be loosed. As Jesus says in Matthew, it makes one thing clear that is sometimes missed when we read that. It is this fact. Please hear this. Our binding or loosing only accomplishes on earth what has already been accomplished and established in heaven. In other words, we don't make things happen. This is not some humanly energized cause. Prayer according to the Father's will releases their happening in the earth. God has ordained the intended order so that we are not creators of what occurs, but rather we are releasers of what he has desired and intended to be, but which flesh or the devil oppose. you seeing this? So when we bind our lo- or loose in supplication prayer let's always remember his is the power and provision ours is simply the privilege and participation with him furthermore let's always be wise and praiseful knowing the source of the power we exercise where does it flow from the cross Resurrection, ascension, the exaltation of Jesus, the work of our great high priest who is a priest forever, the greatest priest. No one will ever succeed him. Never forget it, beloved, what King Jesus did in his life And death on the cross and in his resurrection and in his exaltation ascension was once and forever to break the capacity of the adversary to sustain his oppressive rule over man, humankind. Apart from Calvary's power and the tomb's victory, we are no different. You and I have no defense in our own human power and resource. Hello? We're all helpless against Satan's strategies or contrivances, except that when we have the resources of the cross and the resurrection, we not only have a sure defense for our own soul, but also a point of appeal in calling for heaven's best in the face of hell's worst. Yes, because of Jesus' victory. Because of his victory through the blood of his cross, the breakthrough of his resurrection, and his exaltation in ascension, prayers of supplication can bind and loose and resist and release. That is as new covenant, new creation, people of the Spirit, we can contract for heaven's ought-to-be deliverance and rejoice in seeing God's will done in the midst of the brokenness all around us. We have Christ as our great high priest and mediator whose interceding and saving, delivering power is available to us without end. You can never tap it out. In Him, the way to approach God is always open. Because in the presence of God, He represents His people as a permanent, perpetual, interceding priest forever. And when we supplicate When we give ourselves to prayer supplication, we are joining with him, interceding together with him. I wonder how things would look if we would begin to intercede the way Jesus is interceding, which is according to these terms that we're looking at in these passages today. If we would begin to pray what Jesus is praying, rather than praying our own agenda into situations rather than praying our own desires and our own intentions and our own manipulations and all of our own stuff in what would happen if we began to tune the ears of our spirit to what jesus is praying and interceding as our great high priest and we began to join our voices in chorus with him in praying and interceding together with him binding and loosing, releasing and forbidding. All of this in the brokenness of the world around us, the brokenness of our lives, our families, our neighborhoods, our cities. In the midst of that, we began to pray what Jesus is praying. I wonder how different things would look. He is the only mediator between God and And humankind because he combined Godhead and humanhood perfectly in his own person. Christ Jesus did. The mystery of the incarnation that we will be celebrating soon in this Advent and Christmas season. In him, God draws near to humanity. And in him humanity can boldly draw near to God with the assurance of constant and immediate access at all times. So in this light then, it's not surprising that the Apostle Paul said when we pray the peace of God will guard our hearts. Prayer Asking and supplication, binding and loosing, lay out the groundwork for a deep, incomprehensible, inconceivable peace to possess the soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. If, as Philippians 4.6 says, praises of thanksgiving are offered with them. Thanksgiving. With supplication, Paul says, Thanksgiving. Faith brings peace and anxiety will cease. Prayer has found a solid place of confidence by calling on heaven's resource and victory and by applying them in trusting, childlike faith and with thanksgiving and we're going to look more at this term thanksgiving next week with grateful thanksgiving we rest in praise as heaven's power moves in to enforce and to actuate the holy will and purpose of God's intended kingdom order on earth as it has already been established in heaven. The things we've addressed in prayer and supplication are set forward in the power of the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and the intercession work of Christ that is ongoing as He is ever interceding before the Father for us and on behalf of us and invites us to join Him with All for God's glory and in King Jesus' strong name. Beloved, what Jesus did for Peter on earth, he still does for his people now at the right hand of God. Do you remember what that was? He told Peter in Luke 22, he said, The enemy desires to sift you, Peter, but I'm praying for you. Beloved, Jesus is praying for you. Aren't you grateful for that? Turn to somebody and tell them right now, Jesus is praying for you. He's ever interceding before the Father. And he invites us to join him in prayer that intervenes and releases and reverses.